Welcome to Syntax, where we deliver tasty treats for web developers. This episode is sponsored by Delicious Brains. They make a pretty sweet plugin called WP Migrate DB Pro, which helps you get your WordPress installs from your local host onto your actual server or vice versa. We'll talk a little bit more about them partway through the show. Welcome to Syntax, where we're going to be talking about freelancing today. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things, basically. Uh, we're going to be talking money, quoting, billing, just how to, to manage your time, how to manage your contracts, consulting versus freelancing, just a whole bunch of stuff. Everything you sort of, you know, you learn by experience from freelancing. So today, as always, we have Wes and Scott say Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, so uh, what have you been working on, Wes? Well, um, I'm just in between vacations right now, and well, the one thing that I did do is release my latest batch of stickers, which uh, for those who, who don't know, um, I don't know, I just love stickers. And uh, I also love like doing things really well. So I, I had researched a whole bunch into getting stickers printed uh uh, overseas in China because it's way cheaper to to get it done over there. Um, and I finally found a really good supplier that does like really good quality and they pack them into these cool little bags. And uh, it's just been a huge thing. I I did like a small batch uh, a couple of months ago, and then I just did a huge batch of 2000 packs, 20,000 stickers. Um, and I, uh, I put them up. I like modified my course platform to to sell stickers, which was kind of hilarious. Uh, and, uh, printed envelopes and did all this. Like, I've, I don't know anything about like shipping an actual product, but, um, I just thought, I just like love being able to get stickers to, to other people. So that's been, uh, part of, part of my week. Part of my week is printing out the stickers and sorry, printing out all the envelopes. And then I, I, I ended up, um, driving down to Buffalo, New York. I live in Canada and I'm about an hour from Buffalo, New York. Uh, and I just crossed the border and, uh, the postage in the States is so cheap that I like save like 1800 bucks on, uh, 2000 stickers, uh, which is amazing. Like I was so happy with, uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw your, uh, your Instagram post or you're standing by the, the, <laughs> The postage with all the the boxes full of stickers, all the envelopes. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. I uh, I paid my sister in law to actually do all the stuffing of the envelopes because it drives me nuts to do stuff nice. work like that. But yeah, yeah it was. You know, I, I I got a pack of those stickers coming to my house hopefully soon. Did you uh, Did you buy a pack? Oh, you best believe it. Oh, did. awesome! Yeah, so it's uh, they sold out in like twenty four hours. I couldn't believe it. Um, I sold all two thousand packs. So. And I didn't even send an email out. Like usually, like if I wanted to like really drive some traffic to something, I would send an email out. But in this case, I just tweeted it, and like just people tell their friends to grab packs. <laughs> I was so, in it just for the the Seinfeld sticker alone. Oh, isn't that hilarious? Seinfeld. I got one right yeah. here. That's, oh yeah. So I'm now, have to wait to like get my <clears throat> new computer to start throwing these up. <laughs> I'll send you a couple extra. I've got some like random loose ones here. I don't have no. any of the holographic ones left so i gotta figure out what to do on the next pack though because i think i want to do some new stickers but like designing these things takes forever so well we got uh we got one with the syntax logo that's yeah be, uh, syntax logo for sure an easy one yeah i want to do like a css one and i've got one that's like you know supreme oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I, did, I did one like it's just says javascript but it looks exactly like supreme and dope 
people win dots for it. So that one's getting printed for sure. <laughs> Love that. Love it. So yeah, stickers. That's what I'm working on or what well, I'm done it now. And now I got to actually do some real work. And Develop, uh, developers love stickers. It's, it's incredible. I, yeah, I'm not immune to that. I love stickers. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. And then I like I sent a follow up email, being like, like I like just said in the email. Now that you have stickers, convert my goodwill into buying one of my courses. And a bunch of people <laughs> actually did. <laughs> nice. So it's a it's a marketing tactic as well. I guess it, it works well. Yeah. Yeah, you get them hooked with the stickers. Exactly. Then, yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, um, we're going to kick things off. Oh, no. Wait, did we talk about you? No. Oh, excuse me. I'm just talking about my stickers here. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> what are you working on? Uh, yeah, I moved my personal website, scotttolinsky.com, to a new platform because, you know, it was the week of moving things to a new platform for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, luckily I... I back when I wrote my site, I did it in Meteor because I actually had some like, uh, believe it or not, I had some admin database stuff that I was doing where I was like saving a bunch of my information, like, uh, you know, whatever servers I'm running or, or, or information that I would want to keep, um, maybe not throw in a Google Doc, put it yeah. somewhere secure on my own service. And then I built all these tools to keep track of all my stuff and, and all that. And I never used it. I just flat out didn't <laughs> use it. Uh, so, you know, I really didn't need a database. I didn't need any of that stuff. And it, this platform Gatsby came out, um, hit version one over, I think, last week or the week before. And uh, Gatsby is basically a static site generator built in React using React, Webpack, GraphQL, uh, using all of the fancy new stuff. And I thought, hey, this is a good opportunity. My site's already in React. Uh, I will just toss it in here. So I did it on a live stream on on, uh, my YouTube channel. You can go to uh, YouTube slash user slash level up tuts and see me converting my site into Gatsby in real time. Um, and, and it's like my first time exploring Gatsby at all. Cool. But either way, I ended up using styled components. Uh, I rewrote all the CSS for it mostly. And then uh, the thing absolutely flies. If you go to scottolinski.com, even though it's loading a video, the load times are unreal. Uh, it's uh, pretty sweet. Wow. So when I built the syntax uh, website, a bunch of people asked me why I uh, didn't end up using um, Gatsby and I had never heard of it, but uh, I took a look at it and it looks amazing. Yeah, no, I think you were we were like one week too early with the syntax <laughs> site for Gatsby. I seriously do. Yeah, I think it came out like right after that. So uh, um, or at least hit version one. The cool thing about Gatsby, we can talk about this more some other time, but uh you there's all these plugins so you can use it really easily in like a headless wordpress situation um to bring in all your wordpress queries through graphql um you can use markdown files and make a blog statically really easily um you can use contentful there's a billion plugins for it so it's 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 a pretty cool platform for static site generation and like i said the thing flies it's fast very fast it's pretty neat. I want to check that out. I think it's really cool to see that you can now build static sites in React. And yeah. there's also um, a framework, I forget the name of it. It's like MPML or something like that, where you can write HTML emails in React components. 
So Ooh. you can you can just write like Ooh. you can write like a button or a column tag, and then it will convert it to whatever the equivalent is in HTML emails. That sounds like something that I would very much. All right, enjoy. let's let's find the name of this because we should uh, we should tell people what it is. Let's see, yeah. React uh, emails. It's like M MJML. There we go, MJML. And uh, they have all these things like section, container, image, and then like that's that's the whole idea behind components is that you you tuck away the complexity. And if there's anything that's complex in the world, it's HTML email. And I you hate just, HTML email. Yeah, they oh just make God. they just make their own custom uh, things, and it's it's all built in React, which is pretty cool. Obviously, it doesn't like run React in your email. I'm imagining that it. It does sort of like spit a server-side rendering, spit out the HTML at the end of the day. And they have a, uh, a cute little website here, so awesome work. Soup's cute. Soup's cute. Soup's cute. All right, let's talk about freelancing. Um, <clears throat> so uh, both of us are independent, independently operated. Um, I've, myself, I don't, we'll, we'll hear about Scott in, in just a second, but uh, I was a freelancer for all of my life. I've actually never had a, a full-time job. Um, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I learned a lot along the way. Um, I made really, really good money when I was freelancing. Obviously, now I'm doing full-time working on my own courses. But uh, at the time when I was doing, I, I called it consulting because you get paid more for consulting. But at the end of the day, it's just freelancing. Um and I, I really, really liked it. So I, I freelanced by for about 10 years. Um, what about you, Scott? Yeah, so my freelancing experience has been a little bit different. I never freelanced full time uh, until the past like two years. But even then, it's been level up tuts, really. Yeah. So uh, my my freelance experience has more been like uh, taking taking nights and weekends gigs here and there and maybe doing one or two at a time. The whole time, I've always had an agency job. Yeah, I've worked in like several different agencies, from like six people to uh, one thousand five hundred people sized agencies, like and uh, stuff in between. So for me, it's like nights and weekends. Uh, collect a little bit of extra cash where you can. Take on some small, some big, whatever kind of projects yeah. to just fill that space. That's. I think that's so cool about being a web developer is that if you want to make an extra thousand bucks, two thousand bucks a month, like you totally can. As a web developer, you can squeeze it in here or there uh, and yeah. have a little and, bit of a side hustle. Yeah, and there's just there's a lot of work out there. There's there's no other way to say it. There's just there's a lot of work available out there if, if you can find it. Yeah, I that's like I always tell people that because there's there's not a lot of freelancing isn't for everybody. Um, and when people ask me to refer them to someone who can freelance. Um, I often have a hard time coming up with someone who will be reliable, who works at it full time, who is just going to be like, I'm, I'm willing to stick my neck out for them. So uh, if you can become a really good freelancer via the stuff that we're talking about today, there's just unlimited work out there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know. Let's talk about... Um, Obviously, we're both doing uh, web freelance. I should maybe talk a little bit more about what I did. Um, most of my freelancing time, well, sort of maybe the first half of it was focused entirely on doing WordPress. Uh, so I was doing um, stuff for small businesses, building 
building out websites for them. And as I became sort of like a WordPress specialist, um, what started happening is that uh, agencies would come to me and they would either refer me what I call the chaff, which is stuff that's ten to fifteen thousand dollar jobs. That's agencies don't take on small stuff mm-hmm. like that, whereas that's a really good job for for an individual like me. So they would do that, or they would bring me on for for specialization. Um, and then over maybe the last five years or so, I I focus my efforts more on. I still did quite a bit of WordPress, but my my efforts were more focused on uh, building JavaScript, building out JavaScript. Um, and then I became more of a less of like a I'll build you a website guy and more of a um, we need to hire Wes because he is good at JavaScript. We need someone to help us out specifically with front end, say CSS, JavaScript stuff so that we can get that all sorted out. Um, right. You're that, coming in and looking at looking at code and and not maybe writing it from scratch. Exactly. Yeah. Or writing it from scratch, like either setting people up and then like peeling and saying like, good luck. Like I, I've got you there or coming in and, and fixing something where it had gone awry for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and that, that's sort of like the difference between like specialization and, and generalization. Whereas, um, you can go the route of like I'm a website builder, and then you you apply you go to people. Um, that's there's lots of people that do that, and that you can make really good money there. And then there's also specialization where you become known for a specific skill, and you can go as mine was like pretty broad, like JavaScript and front end. Um, but you mm-hmm. can go pretty deep into it, like be like the Google Maps person. And then you right. you'd be that like the two hundred dollar an hour Google Maps consultant that people bring in when they've got some serious problems. Then, yeah. So you know, and that's and like you said, you know, the three hundred dollar an hour, two hundred dollar an hour Google Maps guy, and that that kind of is where some of the big money is if you have this individual, uh, you know, this expertise that not many people have. You know, I remember when we were at an agency and we really needed someone to work in pretty high level search technologies. For instance, we had our own, uh, this is for the uh, Kresge Foundation, which is like a a major foundation in the United States here. And it was one of our big clients and, and they needed really, really high level search in their site. They were doing a lot of grants and stuff like that. So we bought this Google search app, uh, search appliance. It was a literal box that was like a Google search box. That really? You put. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And these things are awesome. Or at least they were. I don't know if there's, it's still a thing. This was, this was some years ago, right? 2012-ish, 2011-ish. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a very specific technology. And we searched high and low to find someone who was like an expert at that to to wire it up to everything and and that was that that person got paid because they <laughs> they were like the person to do this and and not many people knew about this search appliance or knew the ins and outs and and that's a, a very good route if you can get it and it's a something that has demand right yeah yeah exactly um and and one other thing i, I should say while we're, we're talking about this is I've talked to quite a bit of people who want to go freelance because of the flexibility that it provides you in terms of working from home, working your own hours. Um, and then you hear from a lot of people six months in and they're like, I hate it. I hate my clients. Um, I, I'm always working and uh, it's just not 
what I thought at all. And um, I think that you there's this really good book out there called The E-Myth Revisited. And it goes into talking about how you can be someone who is a the technician, which is us. Like we're developers. We can sling code all day long and build this really great stuff. Uh, and that that's great. But uh, that doesn't mean that you can run a profitable business um, but just on that as well, because you also have to be uh, the manager or it's the person that actually knows a thing or two about actually running a business. So um, you have to know how to talk to clients, you know, have to know how to um, like, I think one of my biggest benefits is that I don't talk to, I didn't talk to clients in terms of technical stuff. People would hire me because they knew I was good at technical, but you have to talk to them in, in business terms. And if, if you can relate to how a business works and how a business makes money, and if you can help a business make more money, then that's really where the sweet spot of running your own show uh, starts to get. Because people will pay you unlimited money if you are helping them make more money, right? Because you you are... Uh, in turn, extending their their actual business. So I think that's that's a really important point to, to take into consideration. If you're looking at it, you have to say, am I the type of person who also wants to run a business as well as be the the technician where you get into the nitty gritty of, uh, of, of writing the code? Right. And yeah, nobody's going to do that stuff for you unless obviously you're paying uh, someone to do it for you. So, you know, I, like, like Wes said, if you're talking to clients, you need to learn... Um, to speak in their terms, because if you don't, they're not going to see the why. You're going to be leaving money on the table. You're potentially going to be missing out on opportunities overall. You know, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely something. And I, along those lines, um, there's a an excellent book, uh, "Design Is a Job," which came out by a book apart. Um, I don't know when this came out. It came out a few. I don't know. I'm dating myself here because I'm going to say a few years and it's probably like six years ago. <laughs> uh, but Design is a Job by Mike Montero. I, I, Mike Montero. Montero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's it's really this this book opens your eyes to all that stuff. Dealing with clients and talking about uh, business terms and money and all that sort of stuff. It's a definite, definite must read if you're going to be a freelancer. Cool. I'll have to, to check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the same same sort of idea, um, there's this whole concept of either being an hourly based billing person or this thing called value based billing, and I actually did quite a bit of both of them. Um, I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of of what's called value based billing because the way it works is that you don't charge somebody you don't charge for ass and seat time because that means when you stop working, the money starts stops coming in. Um, and if you want any sort of freedom, if you ever get burnt out or, or anything like that, if you ever need some sort of break from this, you shouldn't have to be like, Oh, well then the money is going to stop coming in. So, uh, value-based billing follows the term where you, you talk to, and this is where the business sense help comes in where you say like, I am going to build you a store picker uh, and or a store like a store locator on your application. And um, that will bring you an extra $5,000 worth of value. So I'm going to charge you $5,000. Now, uh, if that takes you however many hours to build it, that's that's totally fine. 
Um, but if you were to do that again, or if you were um, to do something similar and you were to reuse parts of that code, um, or you were to you already knew how to do it because you had figured out all the problems and you can quickly code it up again. Like if it takes you half the time, do you charge half the amount? And the answer to that is no. It's it's still the same amount of value that's being delivered to uh, the end client. So the fact that you're charging five thousand dollars and it takes you half the amount of time, then uh, that's that's exactly how business works. Uh, right. Yeah. It's all value based, and and then you don't have someone comparing numbers to numbers here, right? Like I am working at one, you know, one hundred dollars an hour, or one fifty an hour, or something like that, yeah. and then they're they're looking at that as as that that time uh, in comparison to other things. What am I spending on, you know, dollars per hour for this and that and this, rather than this value of of what you're bringing? Exactly. And, and I found also with, with hourly based billing, I found that clients like you tell them you charge like for me, I, I think it was like $130 an hour I was charging. And like you don't come to someone and tell them that because they're going to they're going to do the math in their head and they say, I get paid way less than that. Right. So yeah, why exactly. why the hell should I, I should have got into that? Um, and it doesn't mean anything to them. And then you're always managing timelines and you're trying to quote how long it's going to take you where you have a fixed base billing. It's much easier to go as quick or as slow as you want. If you want to take some time to learn a new technology, you're not under the gun to actually uh, to, to spend that time uh, efficiently. You can take a little bit more time on there. So big fan of fixed base billing, um, but hourly billing, I also did a lot. And that is the case where the scope of the work is fuzzy, meaning that you, Questionable. Yeah, you yeah. do not know or you're working with an existing team. You're relying on other people to give you stuff in order to work. Um, and if that's the case, you're working with the team, then then hourly based billing uh, works just fine. Um, I did quite a bit of that. You can make some really good money uh, doing that as well because you can charge a high hourly rate. Um, cause the client doesn't have to pay your health insurance or pay for your, uh, training or any of the other overhead that comes along with actually having an employee. You're simply just a gun for hire. Yeah. And, and, and with either of these, whether you're going with value-based or hourly, yep. it's, uh, a lot of it can, the decision can be made in what's going to be more beneficial to you. Like you said, if the, if the, the project guidelines are fuzzy, right? Um, and you say, you know, X feature is going to cost $5,000. You get in there, those, the as you get in there, they become less fuzzy. You end up spending more time on it than you'd expect. Then that hourly would have benefited you because you could have made more money yeah. hourly. So, it, 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 yeah, it's really all about what's best for you as a freelancer, right? What's going to maximize your income uh, in this particular application um and and i think that you know leads me to something that people are are pretty um they're shy about talking about money they're they're shy about talking about quotes they're they're people don't want to to bring it to a um a place where you're getting into the uh, just sort of the dollar amounts here and there and that's like really something that you can't do uh, because these people run a business they expect to talk money yeah you know, um, negotiations around money should not be awkward, right? You should feel comfortable negotiating your price. Yeah. If you're quoting something too high, they're going to tell you it's too high for them. Um, so 
you know, I, I would say don't shy away from talking about it. Yeah. You know, have a have a discussion about what you're thinking. You know, I, I'm thinking this feature is going to cost X amount of dollars. Uh, they might come back and say, well, you know, well, what can we get for this amount instead? You know, and then you can have a, a conversation. Yeah, you absolutely need to, to be able to talk money without it being awkward. Because I always hear of freelancers just undervaluing their work because they're afraid it's not going to get accepted. And they, they think it's like they give a quote and then they say no and then they walk away. And the way yeah. that's not true, the, right. the way that it yeah. does work yeah. or people think that like I've got 300 freelancers lined up and I'm going to go for the cheapest one. Right. Whereas um, often what happens is that they have only you that they're talking to Um or uh, they have a couple different people, and they are—they aren't just basing it on how much money it is going to be, um, but they are basing it more on your personality, how you interact with them, your communication style, all of those things. So um, th- people don't don't chicken out on your quote. Charge what you're worth. Go in with a nice strong quote, and if it's too much, then they will tell you and you can you can figure something out or you can walk away because they just don't have uh, the budget that that you're able to work with. Yeah, always go high because um, if you're going too low, uh, you know, it's easy to go too low. Your client will love that. You know, your client will love that you're you're cheap or whatever. But what does that get you? Yeah. The person who's putting in the time to do the work. Right. So, um, you know, obviously friends and family discounts. Uh, you know, uh, on another another side of the defense the there, but like, if you're doing work for somebody, it's a business relationship, and yeah, and you should you should get what you're worth. You should get the value that your um, your work is worth. Yeah. So, how do you find out how much to charge? That's always the the million dollar question. Like, what is value based billing? How do you figure that? And that is that is just a skill that you will learn uh, as you go along. There's no everyone always asks me how much am I worth right now if I know X, Y, and Z? And the answer is, is how much you, you want to. Like, I remember I was charging 50 an hour and my friend was like, you should charge a hundred. So I'd started charging a hundred and no one batted an eye. And, uh, it's not because I was just like amazing and super good. It was just because like it was, that was fine for people to pay. And they, they thought that, that it was well worth it. So uh, I think there's a lot of people that severely undervalue themselves, especially because they come from like, well, I was making 80 grand as a full-time developer. So mm-hmm. cut that up into 40 hour weeks and, and you got it. Whereas like, you don't understand, like you have to buy a laptop and pay your own health insurance. And you've got all this overhead working for yourself uh, that, that needs to be uh, taken into account. Yeah. I, I mean, a good rule of thumb is if, is if all of your clients are immediately agreeing to the yeah. price that you're giving them, then you're too low. Like you should have a little bit of pushback at some point to, to, to get that upper limit. Right. If, if you're always saying it's going to be X dollars and they're like, yes, we'll do it right now. Yeah. You know, then you know that that's, that's too low. Yeah, exactly. You want to, and for me, it was just a matter of like sort of inching my way up um, and as as you become, we'll talk about this in just a second, but as you become sort of more in demand, uh, once the referrals start sort of coming in, then you can, um, you're going to have way more work than you can actually deal with, or at least I that's the way I was. Um, and then you can sort of start, you can uh, inch up your hourly rate or inch up your, your prices. And that's how the economy works, right? Right. 
I mean, simple supply and demand, yeah. <laughs> right? If, if your skills are in demand, you need to charge more for them because, uh, you, you know, they're, they've become more valuable and more rare as your time gets filled up. Exactly. I want to take a quick sec and talk about our sponsor, which is a company called Delicious Brains. They make a sweet plugin called WP Migrate DB Pro, and it's actually something that I've used quite a bit myself. It's a WordPress plugin that you install on both of your actual WordPress installs. Like, let's say you're developing one locally and you've got another one up on your actual production server. Um, and you have your theme, and that goes into Git, but you have this other thing, which is the actual data. In your database, you need to get it from localhost to production or or vice versa. Maybe you're working on an existing website. You need to take a copy of it and bring it down. So uh, how do you do that? Well, if you dump the database, there's all these strings that relate to localhost and need to be replaced. So WP Migrate DB Pro will uh, just basically connect your two WordPresses together and it will push or pull the actual content from one or another. Um, and it will do all the find and replace of, of the actual uh, strings that you have and, and any other problems that uh, are bound to pop up when you're, you're migrating a WordPress. So uh, I've been using this for, for years and years, and it's an absolutely essential piece of uh, doing WordPress development. So uh, it's kind of cool that we're doing the freelancer one because quite a few freelancers use this to, to move around their clients' WordPresses. Um, yeah, and WordPress overall is used so heavily in uh, freelance dev work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's sort of like if you're looking at getting into, if you're like maybe a new developer and you're looking at getting into the freelance game, um, WordPress is definitely some low hanging fruit that you can you can just jump into and, and get up and running. Um, right. Yeah, using themes and then getting to customizing your own themes and building very complex stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly how I got started. Um, so they've mm -hmm. got a twenty percent off code for us at deliciousbrains.com forward slash syntax. Uh, check it out and huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show. So um, let's talk about finding clients. Where do you get clients from? Um, a lot of people when they're starting out, they go to uh, they go online and they're like or they ask me like, what's the like honey hole of, uh, of clients? Like, where do I go to get the best clients? And like, or the what about, hole. what about, what are these, <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> honey hole? I, I, no, I just got great imagery. Uh, I got like, you know, Winnie the Pooh just, sticking his hand <laughs> in a, a tree. <laughs> but the, the, the answer to that is like, by the time a job gets posted online, and this could be true for full-time jobs as well, there's going to be 20,000 people applying for that actual thing. So the good work will always come from um, people reaching out directly to you because they know that you do something or through a referral from an actual friend. So uh, the way that I sort of boosted up my initial career was um, Twitter back over 10 years ago was, uh, was like a there was maybe a couple hundred people in, in Toronto that actually were on Twitter and I was one of them. And uh, we used to have these things called tweet ups where you would just like get together and drink a beer with people from Twitter, which is a very bizarre thing to do. But uh, through that, I had met all kinds of people who run agencies and that were sort of in the tech scene. Um, and uh, they, I was very loud about being a developer. I am a developer. I post on Twitter, post on Facebook, I have a website that tells people what I do. And just by doing that, 
um, at some point in time, people go, I need a developer. Oh, Wes. Oh, okay. I remember he's always talking about this web stuff. Um, even like for people who are, are on Facebook, they don't like like posting like work stuff. Um, but yeah. if, if you're that person who's always posting, like working on a website, pictures of code or whatever, um, it's not going to immediately lead to leads. But what happens is that it's funny. I was teaching a freelancing class once and I opened up my Facebook and uh, I did a search for like um, doing website or or need a website. And I found like like 13 different people where it's like people from high school you haven't talked to in 15 years. And they're like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, my brother's uncle needs, I guess that would be their uncle, but <laughs> my <laughs> uncle needs a website. Uh, are you doing that? And and that's how I got a lot of my, my initial leads was uh, just from telling people exactly what I do. And then when it comes time to these people actually needing someone to, to build them a website, I was the first thing that actually popped into their mind uh, before they did a search or asked a friend or did anything like that. Yeah, it's just simple association, right? Uh, you know, you think, oh, this guy is always posting this. Thing. I mean, I, I have a, a thousand of those associations of people on Facebook just based on what they're posting. Exactly. Whereas, you know, not websites, but what those things are that you identify that person by. And if you make that identity as in the guy who works on websites, then yeah, you're going to get thought of. Um, and that, that is really the best way to to get your name and, and get clients is, is to have people think of you when they think of the website. So whether you're going to meetups, uh, you're, you know, you're casual meeting people and stuff like that, or, or new people, you know, you tell everybody, I make websites, you know, and that's, uh, everybody knows somebody and, uh, everybody knows somebody who needs something. You know, I, I can't tell you how many client projects I've gotten just from a friend of a friend, yep. a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, just your name comes up in conversation. They reach out and, uh, you do good work. Exactly. And I think once that starts happening, um, as you continually put yourself out there as a web developer, no matter, and that's important to do no matter how much work you currently have, because you always got to keep that, the fire stoked for the more, more coming in. But uh, if you are doing good work, if you are extremely reliable in what you do, if you're very personable, able to communicate with a client, you will get unlimited referrals because they tell their friends, their friends tell their friends, their tell friends tell their friends. And before you yeah. know it, you're you're absolutely slammed with uh, really good work. Right. And that's infinitely uh, better than, let's say, oh, I just put my portfolio online, right? I just put my, like... People are maybe arriving at your portfolio and looking through it and whatever, but your portfolio is not going to get you no. this kind of work. No, uh, it just it just won't, you know, uh, because you know people honestly don't care. No, they, uh, my portfolio was was all broken links for most of my freelancing career, and people do not care. They just need a, a referral is worth its weight in gold from uh, from somebody who said, "Oh, this guy's good. Uh, make sure you right. you check him out." Right. So how did you get your very first client? Like what was your very first client interaction? Oh, that was a good. Um, so I, we should do a, like a, a whole show on our like origin stories, but oh, yeah. um, That's a good one. I, I was doing like MySpace designs and, and doing uh, t-shirts for bands. Um, and the people, these kids that had bands, their parents had pool companies and uh, campgrounds and 
like just like random businesses that needed websites, and nice. they would ask their kids like, "Hey, where did who, who can do us a website?" And they would say, "Oh, that West guy that did our MySpace, he can also build websites." So it sort of sort of went into that. Um, and then when I moved to Toronto, um, just getting really involved in the agency scene, letting making sure that every single agency in town knew who I was was really important because the agencies pass on a lot of $15,000 projects. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, it really sucks to tell someone you can't work with them. So if you can say, I can't work with you, but this person can, it's so much mm-hmm. nicer. Cause you can sort of like, like get out of here and drop it on someone else's lap. And I was very willing to accept those lap drops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You gotta be, uh, especially if you're trying to make it, you know, um, yeah, I know my first client was my, my parents who did, who did not pay me for this work, but <laughs> I, I had a job at the time. So it's cool. It was a, uh, um, definitely a, uh, <clears throat> you know, just a, a favor. And they had, they had started a tea store. They were selling green tea out of their house. So I didn't know very much about, I mean, I'd made websites, but I didn't know anything about databases and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it gave me an opportunity to learn uh, at the time was Magento. I built the site on and, um, it gave me, you know, even though they're my parents, it was still like, you know, here's expectations about what the site's going to be doing and stuff like that. It was like a, a nice ease into uh, working with a client because that client is, you know, can only be so angry at you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, so, the you know, the work went well and... Um, <laughs> And then I, I I did I did the Craigslist thing. I like went to Craigslist to find clients. Yeah. And this was when I was in college and I got a client and uh I, I somehow got a client. I'm gonna say that. I have no idea. Like Craigslist is is not a great way to get clients, um, at least not valuable clients. Uh this one worked out really well and it turned into a long relationship of designing and building sites for them. It's true. You those know. those repeat clients are are amazing because you don't have to work or you don't have to have meetings or anything like that to actually sell them on that work. You can just sort of have an ongoing relationship with these people. Right. They know what they're getting already and uh, you just meet those expectations. Exactly. Um, another big one for me was was conferences. Anytime that there was a conference in, uh, in Toronto, I would take people out for lunch. Like all these speakers are flying in like hours or a day early and they're just sitting in their hotel so offer to take them out for dinner and uh, that led to many good uh, referrals because these speakers often work in in very high highly regarded companies and those companies have huge budgets in, in uh, can really bankroll you when uh, when they're looking for help yeah and that, that one is uh I, I I can't like that sounds like a great tip but like I'm not, I guess I'm not that socially inclined. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I would have a really hard time reaching Taking out. Taking someone like, for hey. dinner. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, power, if you can do that, like do it. Yeah. Because that's a, a skill that not everyone has. People always say know? that to me. They're like, oh, yeah, of course you're super outgoing. You can do that. No problem. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am not. I'm not. I guess we get both ends of the spectrum there. I'm always been like the opposite end of that, that social spectrum. Oh yeah. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, contracts, communication, not getting screwed. Cause another thing that I find with people is that it's when you talk to them about freelancing, it's always them versus the client. They're always mad at their client for like going over or whatever. And you're on your client's team. They're hiring you to, 
to help them. It's not you versus your client. It's it's you with your client to 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 finish that end goal. And uh, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that can be done in order to um, sort of like manage that relationship uh, between your client. And um, obviously, contracts is one of them. But quite honestly, a lot of my stuff never had a contract. And I've talked to quite a few lawyers about this. And they they'll, t- they'll all tell you the same thing that is like yeah you can you can have contracts that like uh, they're very important to have that spell out what it will and will not happen but like when push comes to shove you're not going to take someone to court for five grand you're not going to hire right. up a lawyer right. you're not going to lawyer up for for a ten thousand dollar website because it's you're gonna just gonna blow that all away and um, what's I think much more important is having very open lines of communication. Um, and managing expectations with your client because that will go way farther in in understanding what needs to be done and, and what isn't going to happen and and whatnot than an actual contract will will do. Yeah, and like you said, if you're if you're talking about your client like you're fighting them, yeah. right? That's a like you could say that's like a code smell, right? That's <laughs> like that that's a, a good indication that um, those lines of communication on both ends, that there's an issue there. Yep. And those type of things are, are difficult to, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, you, they're difficult to fix, right? If you have that poor communication from the get go yeah. and, you know, managing expectations and talking to your client is, is really, uh, the best way to make sure that everyone is satisfied with what's going on. I don't know. I, th- I think that's just such a, a tremendous, tremendous topic there is, is, is being able to say, this is what you're getting. This is what I'm doing. This is what I expect from you. You know, everyone's on the same page. Everyone should be happy. Yeah. If someone's not happy, then there is some breakdown in communication or expectations. Exactly. And it's it's your job. Often I people I hear people being like, like there are terrible clients out there. I've had many of them, but um uh-huh. often it's the developer's job of doing a poor job at talking to the client and squeezing out the requirements from them. Because you how how often have you heard of like at the last minute before we launch, they ask for all these features, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's your fault for not understanding a business requirements, asking the right questions and squeezing out like, does it need to do this? Or did you did you even think about geolocating based on the GPS? Or did it do you need to print a list of stores or all these things, right? And that stuff comes with time, but you definitely need to learn how to to squeeze out re- proper requirements before absolutely anything starts. Right, and and managing that so that it doesn't get to the end of the 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 product, and and they think that they can say, "Let me add this and this and this." I mean, you need to be very upfront uh, earlier on in the project that this is what you're getting, and maybe nothing else. You know, um, to some extent, because if if they're thinking that they can, uh, add, you know, there's there's two sides of that. Maybe you didn't know that they were expecting to add all this stuff, or uh, they thought that it would be easy to add this stuff so they could just drop it in at the end and tell you to do it, you know? Yeah. So just making sure everyone's on the same page about what exactly they're getting, you know? You're not gonna, you're not, like, let's say you have, um, you're getting a room remodeled or something like that. You're not gonna go into the whole process um, and, and let's say, you know, there's a whole 
sink or something they needed to add. Yeah. You're not going to get to the end of the process and be like, oh, let's add a sink here. No, you, you, you know, everything needs to be defined beforehand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I want to talk about, this isn't on our list, but maybe like some tools that are helpful for running a freelance business. Um, because that definitely, um, like running the business side of things is, is huge. Right. And if you, there's this thing, like it's working on your business versus in your business and you want to be, I don't know which one you want, but you don't want to spend all of your time doing the stuff that actually runs the business, which is bookkeeping and email and all of the like sort of busy work that some people think Mm -hmm. that they're actually being productive You want to get away from that and actually do the stuff that's making you money at the end of the day. So um, I don't know if you have any, but I've I've got a couple that I used over time, which is a project management system. As much as I hate things like Basecamp and and whatnot, um, having Mm -hmm. absolutely everything in a central repository rather than uh, all through emails that you have to sort of piece together when you want to like look back at it. that's that was super helpful. Uh, I used generally my clients would have their own version of Basecamp, and you would just use theirs, which is great. Mm-hmm. But for smaller clients, you have to sort of supply that because they're not that type of business. Yeah, I take a lot of like um, actual physical uh, pen and paper pages to write out all that stuff. Yep, um, I drill it into my head that way. Uh, you know as far as just keeping track of assets and everything, you have to be very diligent about your your organization. So folders with inspiration, folders with, um, you know, assets that you need for the project or any of that, that code stuff or whatever, keeping everything absolutely together in an organized manner instead of just like random files on your desktop or something like that is, is absolutely essential, yeah. you know, that organization. Yeah, writing everything down, having it all in some sort of place is, is super key. Um, yeah, so whatever that tool is, as long as you have a, a system in place, yep. right? Um, Trello is huge for that as well, um, especially if mm-hmm. you have clients who like to go nuts with um, Excel. They'll open up in like a Google Doc Excel sheet, and then they'll like start putting like list of bugs that need to be fixed or whatever. And then <laughs> like you have to like reply in the next cell and like, it's terrible. So Trello will, you can just create a card for what needs to be done. And then you can drag it into the doing column. And then once you're done, drag it into the done. You can have a conversation tacked to each card. So um, I almost prefer that entirely over something like Basecamp. Yeah. The hardest part about those things is if the client's not already using them. Yeah. I don't know if you can expect the client to use them, right? Uh, like I've had a hard time, you know, if you set up a Trello and you have the intention of it working like that, but the client's not already using Trello, yeah. chances are they're not going to be super into it. But if they are into it, then that, you know, that can make your life yeah, totally. much, and much better. It's funny to look at like the progression of my last 10 years where as I got into higher end clients and more expensive clients, they were much better at this whole communication. There was a lot less handholding mm-hmm. in the business side Absolutely. of things versus actually communicating with them. Yeah, and a lot in agencies and industry sort of stuff like that. I've already used these tools on other things or with other 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 uh, um, 
you know, uh, freelancers and, and contract workers and stuff like that anyway. So um, that can definitely be a big help. Awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, I use, uh, what do you, what do you use for your accounting and stuff like that? Invoices? Yeah. And- I've been on uh, FreshBooks for probably 10 years now. Um, big fan of it. My accountant loves it. You can just do a dump of all of your invoices at the end of the year. You can put all your expenses in there. So um, been a big fan of FreshBooks over, over the years. Cool. What about you? Uh, I use uh, Wave. Yep. Waveapps.com. Yeah. I, I've, I used it because it was free. Yep. And uh, uh, I've never looked back. I really like it. That's pretty cool. I, th- I think Wave does a little bit more in terms of like you can do, you can run payroll uh, and do direct deposits and stuff like that. Whereas FreshBooks more geared at like a, a freelancer. And I think Wave is more geared at uh, a small business. Yeah, what's cool about Wave though is the the free tier stuff. Yep. Um, like keeping track and sending invoices is probably the like I don't know. I've used a lot of different invoicing software, yeah. and it's just been really great. I mean, it, it keeps track of everything, but uh, the interface for building in uh, invoices and managing clients and stuff like that is really just as good as it gets. That's cool for free. You know. Yeah, can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. Um. What else do we have to talk about uh, being a freelancer? I think one of them, for me at least, and this might be a little bit different in the states, which is uh, like health insurance. Like, what do you do when you're not covered by an actual mm-hmm. company? Uh, it could because you need to pay for those things by yourself. So, um, in Canada, um, I pay for my own health insurance and some disability insurance and. I don't know, a couple others and it, it ends up being about 300 bucks Canadian for the entire my entire family uh, per month, which I know is uh, a lot more expensive in the US. Um, but you, you definitely have to have those things in place um, and that's often and figure out how those all work, because that's one reason why I see people don't want to go out on their own because they just don't know how to to put it to get their own health insurance and to. Uh, to to get involved with all that, yeah, and that's one of those things I wish I could speak more on. I, I've been like uh, lucky enough, like I said, most of the time that I've been freelancing, I've had another job, yeah. so I haven't had to worry about it. And now uh, that I'm doing full time, uh, you know, my wife works; uh, she works like seventy five percent time, so she gets oh, yeah. all of our our health insurance. So, you know, it's tough for me. I've never had to to deal with that, and I know it's it's just a complex hassle you know it's just one more thing you got to worry about yeah yeah absolutely it's it's nice if you can have a a partner that you can sort of go under their own uh, and not have to to pay your own because it it can add up like uh i know it's pretty cheap in canada but um you pay a couple other like disability insurance and uh whatever other things that you need to pay on a monthly and before you know it you got five six hundred bucks a month in in all these Mm -hmm. different things and that's many thousands of dollars per year, whereas your employer would just totally swallow that. You don't you don't take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now's uh, the time in the show that we get to talk about our sick picks. Sick picks. Yeah, uh, I got a really sick pick today. It's like a truly sick. <laughs> what's what's your what's your sick pick today? What? My sick pick is uh, an app for OSX called Carabiner Elements. K A R A B I N E R. And um, what this is is 
an application that will allow you to remap keys on your keyboard. And what I use it for is the caps lock key. Caps lock key, absolutely useless. It's it's precious on your actual thing, especially with the new MacBook Pro where you got the stupid escape key that's like on like a little screen there. So um, if you want to make use out of your uh, caps lock key, um, you can use carabiner elements to remap it to an, another key combo. So what I have done is I've mapped caps lock to the combination because you you have only so many modifier keys on your on your keyboard. You have uh, control, option, command, and shift, and like uh, command S, command X, whatever. Those are all taken, and then you have like shift A, and you have all these different key combos, um, and they're generally taken by some app. So if you remap your caps lock key to what's called hyper, which is just a fancy word for saying mashing your hands on the command option control shift key. So you just press <laughs> caps lock and then caps lock a caps lock Q caps lock arrow. Any, you can make up your own key combos now and they're not taken by any application. Um, and that's really cool. Yeah. So you simply just use Caribbean or elements to map uh, map your caps lock key to those four key combos to hyper. And then you use any other app, whether it's Alfred, I use one called um, better touch tool. And then you can, you can then say when somebody hits hyper arrow, maximize, uh, maximize your window to the right. Or when somebody hits hyper mm. S open up Spotify. Um, and it's amazing. Wow. You make all these different key combos. What was that app that you said you use it with? It's called uh, Better Touch Tool. And then in Better Touch Tool, you just uh, Better Touch Tool is amazing. It's maybe that'll be my pick next time. But it's it's got a whole bunch of different things that it, it it's, it's a window manager. It's an application launcher. Uh, it has all kinds of stuff. But what I use it for is launching applications and um, and moving around my windows based on hyper keys. Cool. So, yeah, I love this. And I love this. This is got to be in our, we have our like productivity episode. Yeah. We're going to talk about this. Again. Absolutely. And also I should say, don't tweet me about every other window manager ever. I know I've tried yeah, them all. <laughs> you see what happens is when I tweet about something is like, why not X, Y, or Z? And uh, yep. so right. I got it. Right. Cause, it, cause when you start using one thing, you know, it means you automatically hate. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you okay. sick pick uh yeah my sick pick i'm going something we haven't gone before i'm going with a tv show whoa uh, we have we have not gone to this allowed? territory yet uh you tell me uh, i'll allow it okay because uh cause, you know i i don't watch a lot of tv but like man uh this is my favorite show on the planet and it is uh thrasher's king of the road oh, uh, which, oh <laughs> yeah i've been watching it yeah, it just started back for well. So, uh, Thrasher's King of the Road's been going on for a, a while in the in the skate culture, yeah. uh, skateboarding, but now it's a TV show on Viceland, and uh, it's it's awesome. So basically, you could think of it like the show Jackass meets uh, any skateboarding video ever. So it's it's two or three teams, three different professional skateboarding teams going across the country completing ridiculous challenges <laughs> uh from 
uh, you know, from totally non-skate related challenges to um, adding extra sets of wheels, uh, double skateboards, and then just really, really hard tricks. So they're all professionals and they're all amazing. And they're hitting these giant rails and giant stuff and and just absolutely doing some of the coolest skating on top of doing just outrageous stunts and whatever. It's uh, it's like it's, yeah, it's it's like a reality show meets Jackass meets skateboarding video. So uh, good, and so this, yeah, it's so good. And I've like even I've been watching all the old ones because a lot of the old ones are on YouTube now. Yeah. Just like the ones before was a TV show, and just like, yeah, uh, Thresher's King of the Road definitely my my favorite. Go-to oh man, I'm gonna TV spend the rest of my out. day watching this. It's so funny. That just it's so just good. dying like they. They dropped into a half pipe on a rack of ribs last season. <laughs> yeah. Just all kinds of curries. <laughs> and they take some pretty big slams because they, uh, a lot of these guys are like street skaters. And then they do this like crazy like ramp work, which they're not, they're, they don't know how to do that. Right. So they, right. they just fly all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So sorry for going off the board there. I'm sure you can watch it elsewhere. You head to YouTube, King of the Road. Yeah. It's a, it's wild. Yeah, Vi- it's absolutely Viceland wild. is is a really cool show as well, or a really cool channel as well. Like, I feel like as like an aging hipster, it's like the perfect channel for. Yeah, I pretty much don't turn it off. <laughs> I, if I'm if my TV's on, it's typically on, on Viceland. So big fan. That that maybe that'll be my pick next week as well. Just the Viceland channel in general. Their their yeah, website, yeah. at least in Canada, their their website has quite a bit of stuff for free. Um. They have they have this one. Uh, Maddie Matheson has this dead set on life. You watch that one? Yeah, it's like a uh, yeah. He's a he's a Canadian guy, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I, we don't know much about him in like, the state. I never heard of his name until that show. He was, he's big in like uh, the like Alexis on Fire like punk scene growing up, uh, and then uh, now he's like a chef and does all this hilarious stuff. So cool stuff. That yeah. that is that is a sick that is the sickest pick I've ever picked. Or it's it's by definition of everything. I mean, it's it's as sick as it gets, really, if you think about it. You know, <laughs> awesome. Well, that wraps up the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you do all the things that you're supposed to do. Leave a review, whether it's nasty or not. Let us know what you think on Twitter. I'm at West Boss. Scott is at S Tolinsky or at Level Up Tuts. Cool. Until next time. See ya. See ya. Head on over to Syntax.fm for a full archive of all our shows. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. Until next time, peace.